welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, what's going on, Knock On Nation? This is John Dudley. Knock on podcast. I thought I had to introduce myself again since it's been a while since I talked to all of you, but as you're probably kind of figuring out, um, unfortunately, certain things that we're doing go in spurts just because I don't have enough of myself to go around. So uh, we had several podcasts kind of leading up before the ATA show. And then during that time, and then I got into practicing hard, uh, school knock weeks, obviously rolling. This past week um, was kind of a bummer because I wasn't able to do the school knock. So I kind of made a post on my Instagram, which, like I said to many of you, Instagram is kind of my go-to place. So if nothing else, if you don't have Instagram, get it just to kind of stay up to date. But I kind of told you I'd be a little late with this week's assignment, and if you wanted to, you could give yourself a little break. Otherwise, it was kind of a good time to uh, experiment, and I saw a few people, um, you know, trying, going from like, say, their silverback to a knock to it, or going from a knock to it to something else, just kind of tinkering around. I saw a few people playing with some different vein configurations, so... That was cool that you guys improvised and made do. Um, I apologize for that, but this past, well, I guess it was about eight days, um, I did several things. One, I built a Hoyt Helix, which is an aluminum bow that's new for this year for Hoyt, and I really wanted to uh, try that bow out a little bit. For those of you who are curious, I always try to shoot bows in different prices, price categories. Um, I try to shoot, I did the Charger last summer. Um, my RX-3 came in first. I normally order the aluminum carbon bow at the same time. And my Helix, I don't know if it was just the color or cam size or whatever, but my Helix didn't come in until... About two weeks, I think it came in right after the ATA show, and just because of, you know, things I had on my plate, I wasn't able to put it together until last week, and then I ended up kind of planning a last-minute trip and heading down to kind of the north, northern side of Mexico, and then worked my way up through uh, South Texas up to the... I wouldn't call it West Texas, but the Texas Hill Country, which would be uh, west of San Antonio, about, I don't know, an hour and a half. And kind of did a couple things. Started out with deer, then chased some uh, hogs and javelinas. Uh, Also chased some spot and stock uh, axis. And then moved into some uh, spot and stock rams as well. I got... I ended up meeting up with two of my buddies. Uh, one was Andy Stump. The other one was Brian Chantosh, um, a.k.a. Tosh. And I was trying to, I delivered Tosh um, his first build. 
and was trying to get his first bow kill. We had some awesome hunts and some awesome encounters, but uh, as luck would have it, it just didn't pan out perfectly for him, which he was, um, gosh, he was just so positive about it. It was kind of a bummer. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil it because Andy will have a cleared hot podcast out tomorrow. I'm sure, I'm not sure if it'll be ours because I know he filmed or uh, recorded a bunch of podcasts while he was at the SHOT Show as well, but there might be a chance that that podcast comes out tomorrow for cleared hot and if so you might want to listen to it really gets into the story of those two and a half days that I was hunting with those guys and how all that ended up panning out but I really wanted to get out and I wanted to shoot that bow in the field I also wanted to um, shoot two new broadheads one was um, the brand new um, muzzy broadhead the 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 single it's a you know kind of a i guess i'd call it a a solid style head um i'm trying to think of the dang the dang name of it i'm looking it up right now okay well it's called one the muzzy one o n e so it's just a one piece um one solid build piece broadhead and I was really curious about it. Blasted a hog with it. Worked unreal. Um, shot really well. Flew well. I was excited about that. And then also um, for some deer, javelinas, and axis and rams, I used um, the Rage NC. So, yeah, it was a really... I don't know if you if I could say successful. It was successful in the fact that I was really fortunate most of the time that I went out. I had encounters and was just really out there getting after it. So it was pretty fun. Uh flew a flew a Traeger down to Tosh down where we were at so that we could cook down there. He shot a whitetail the day before I got there with a rifle or maybe it was a few days before I got there, but uh, with the rifle, we ended up cooking that back strap and then also cooking the back straps from uh, a mouflon that I shot. And then I made some type of a sauteed mushroom slash bacon slash whitetail heart um, kind of, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it, but it was good. And then, I don't know trying to think what all's been going on i just know i was a little bit late here telling you guys that this week was going to be kind of a bust for the school knock and to just improvise i had to post that kind of the day that you guys were expecting me to give you some the this week's assignment so i apologize about that everything kind of came together really quick and one of the reasons why that all happened was just because I had the time to get that bow built and get it sighted in um, and just kind of everything schedule-wise fell into place. I do want to make sure people know that a big reason why I shoot different models is because I do want to be able to give different opinions. And I really wanted to shoot the RX-3 a little bit more than what I had. Um, I saw one early. I didn't get one 
as early as I normally do. So that's why I didn't have a bow review done right away when it was released. I just felt like I really wanted to shoot it a little bit more. Um, and then with the Helix, it was the same thing. I just wanted to get out, shoot it a little bit. And then, you know, I'm still deciding whether I'm going to do a bow review that kind of combines all those or if I'm going to do a bow review that you know on each one individually it really just comes down to time right now I'm trying my best to keep up with everybody I'm trying my best to give everyone um, you know at least an hour a day of answering questions through my social media channels and then obviously just really trying my best to keep up with my everyday stuff and provide the school and knock and podcast when I can and all that stuff. Um, so I guess I want to just give you guys more of an update overall. Um, it was really awesome to go out and hunt with Tosh because he was really new to, he's not new to hunting, so to speak, because of his background in the military, but he was new to really the bow hunting aspect and it was really cool of him to kind of do the same sort of thing as what I did early on when I was trying to become the best archer I could be. I really went out of my way to to kind of put myself in environments where I could learn from people and and as Andy refers to it as draft off people and I remember you know, trying to go to things where other people that were good would be there so that I could learn from them. And, you know, Brian kind of organized this whole thing down there so that we could get together and um, he could actually hunt alongside of myself and Andy. And I just really utilize it as a, as a opportunity to teach as we were as we were going, as we started stalking the very first day, we we were, I think the first day, Andy's watch said that he covered like right at like 12 miles, and then we covered eight total miles the second day, eight and a half, and then probably about four on the third day in the, you know, because I only hunted till about 10, 10 or 11 in the morning. Um, we didn't have any success that day, so... Overall, it's probably about 24 to 25 miles we covered um, for Axis. Ended up shooting some some rams, or I did. I shot Andy shot a mouflon, and then I shot some rams that we encountered. And then we actually, I did spot a, a bedded Axis, and Brian, you know, kind of got Brian in position. Brian ended up making a great stock set up and waited for an ambush and just as the cards unfolded uh <laughs> i don't want to ruin the story like i said it'll be on andy's podcast but um a few things unfolded that didn't go brian's way and ended up going my way on the axis but it was fun to be there and and really take a step back and go through all the little things that a lot of times i take for granted when i'm doing it i really tried my best to tell him exactly why I was choosing this route as I was going and how I was walking and 
once we found, you know saw an animal um how we approached it when we moved when we didn't move um small things like when when i put an arrow on uh, when I had an arrow ready, when my release was out, when I would range, um, when I would prepare for the shot, just all these little things like that. And then we actually did a little bit of a, a shooting session with this new bow, and I walked through some fundamentals. And one of the things that I did with with him, which I haven't done um, or I haven't explained in detail, is... When I work with people, I really try to just identify like the top two things that really stand out as what I feel like can help you the most. Even though I was with Tosh for two and a half days, I didn't go outside of that because I didn't want to go through the whole um, shot process and everything like that with them. I just told them, like, listen, it's pretty nice right now, the school will knock series is out so you can start with week one and just really progress through that and he he'll dedicate himself to that I'm sure he will but I just focused on a few things I thought were most important to him and because him shooting a handheld release is the newest change that he's made was just really watching him and confirming when he anchored and make sure he was acquiring his peep sight the correct way and then checking his bow grip. You know, really his two hands were kind of the most important things for him that I was recognizing. Temporary pause for a coffee sip. Um, and that actually leads right into what I'm going to be coming out with for this week's homework for the School of Knock. This week's homework is going to be focused on mirroring and this is something that I'll go a little bit into detail with uh, in the video so if you're still following along with the school of knock which I hope all of you are um, I know that the ones that are have amazing amazing foundation amazing form and amazing amazing technique how you guys and gals have change over the past eight weeks is really really rewarding for me i continually see you guys just evolve and i've seen a lot of you recognize draw length changes you need to make and making those draw length changes i'm really starting to see you know your shoulders over your feet and really good shoulder positionings this should kind of be the time where people's strength their their core strength and your shoulder stability strength they're starting to starting to really develop and allow you to make those shots and etc so I'm really happy with how everything's going and so now that we've built that foundation and we've built the form and we're working on the technique now what we're going to do is we're going to polish we're going to start polishing out the fine details and really working on these small little things that add up. Because if what I've done with the school is correct, then what will happen is a lot of you, if you're still shooting indoors, what you'll find is a lot of you are going to be very, very close to striking distance with that 300 round. Or some of you, if you've got that 300 round, 
you're soon going to start trying to figure out ways to get your X count up. So for those of you listening who don't really know about that, um, 300 rounds are the three spot faces um, that are yellow in the middle, red, then blue. The 10 rings about the size, I guess, of a quarter. The X is about the size of a, a dime, I guess. And they're shot at 18 meters or roughly 20 yards. So you're shooting 30 arrows, which 10, you know, if you hit the 10 ring, it's a 10. So that gives you 300 rounds. So obviously people are wanting to shoot 30 out of 30 quarters, which is awesome. Coming a long way from back when I used to hear people say all they needed to do was shoot a pie plate. Um, so this is that week where I'm going to start really trying to give you those last one or two points. And I shouldn't say this week, but these last four weeks of the series are going to be focused on small details that add up and that cost you that one little miss or that one little point down range. Um, so this week, the focus is going to be actually on the same area that I was starting out with with Tosh even though he hasn't done the school yet these were two things that for him I thought were really important and it's like I said on a topic that I refer to as mirroring and it's going to be showing you guys small details that allow you to make sure both of your hands are in the correct positions because even though you know how to grip your bow now, and even though you know how to to anchor with your release, um, there's still small details to both of those that are really, really important. Because the first thing and last thing to, to determine the flight path of that arrow are going to be your hands. Uh, both your release hand and your bow hand, depending on what part of the shot you're in. So getting those things to be the same each and every time are absolutely critical to making sure your accuracy is the same each and every time as well. So I'll post that later today. My plan is to head to the range and get that recorded and do a little bit of practice. I've had, technically I've had a week off, so I'm going to climb behind my bow and um, try to do some of that. So I'm looking forward to to shooting again it's not it's not that often we're in the middle of the the winter I take off for a hunt like this but I had some opportunities from some good friends that were really good um, the other thing too is I have was actually working with another friend of mine Wes who got a new bow and it was a bow I built for him and took it down and we worked on shooting a little bit, and funny enough, he was someone who had a lot of experience as a bow hunter, but had never had much experience with being taught and being, you know, I guess coached from an archery point of view. So same thing with him. Uh, my focus was a little bit different than what it was with Tosh, funny enough, but it was also on one of the subjects that are going to be coming up probably next week. Um, so it was pretty interesting to 
be able to go out and even though I knew what my layout and what my plan was for the School of Knox series and what these upcoming weeks would be in relation to like small minor details, both of the guys that I was with last week and working with um, each had one of those things that we worked on and it instantly made big changes to their impact so I'm looking forward to that um, I saw in a few of the posts that I made here in the last few days about the helix I have seen a few people making comments about um, why I'm shooting a helix uh, Hoyt told me to shoot a helix um, it's actually not the case um, I do know that like I said, each and every year, I specifically go after um, the different models. Like I said, we did the Power Max, we did the Nitrix, um, and the Helix would technically be next in line according to price before the RX3. Um, but like I said, I got it after. So I want to make sure within our community we stay positive like I said I'd really do my best to to try to have people on the podcast that use different brands and that can speak about that um, I've I've actually got several brands um, as well you know a few years ago um, I was really curious on the Botex and you know got a Botex shot it quite a bit I was able to talk about it and had my buddy Dave step on to talk about it. Um, I guess maybe six months ago, I got the the uh, carb the new carbon PSE. I played around with that, and it was also a good bow. And had my had my buddy Mike Slinkard on, and you know let him talk about that some too, because I know there's a lot of PSE guys out there, including you know my buddy. Uh, Ryan Bronco is a big PSE guy, and I know he's super active with the Knock On Nation. And, you know, even now, I've been playing around with um, with the Matthews, um, with the Verdicts. So, you know, there's I do play with all of them. Obviously, I do have an obligation I have to make to Hoyt um, for myself on a personal level. So... You know, I can't really go out and shoot other brands out in public, but I, I do shoot them and I do talk about them um, on the podcast and have some, some people on that are able to talk about them. And, you know, everybody's making good bows. So don't feel like just because I'm I'm showing Hoyt, I'm trying to jam Hoyt down your throat. I just, you know, for me, that's what I choose to shoot. I could shoot any model I want. Um, and for six months, I wasn't technically a Hoyt shooter, uh, you know, I guess a year, year and a half ago or whatever it was, I was, you know, kind of messing around with everything. And, and I feel like I have to do that to be fair. And I'm clear about that. I'd shoot these other bows so that I can answer questions when I get asked, because like I said, I do dedicate about an hour a day to answering social media questions. Um, and a lot of those are on, you know, different bow for quite a while. Um, one of our knock on nation friends, Bailey Smith, she shot Matthews. I always let her, uh, obviously I didn't, shouldn't say I let her, but, um, 
you know, I had her up for coaching and stuff and, you know, didn't have a problem sharing Matthews or, you know, sharing live feeds and stuff with someone that was shooting Matthews because I think everybody has their opinion and and they're all good. Um, What I don't like is when people go in and start, you know, there was a comment today about um, the Helix and how it's just a ripoff of a Matthews. And in my opinion, that's actually not a fair statement because, you know, one, Hoyt had split limbs long before Matthews did, and Hoyt had a certain type of riser shape long before Matthews did, and they also had a a two-cam bow long before Matthews did. So it's not completely fair to say it that way. There is a difference. There's definitely a difference in the cam system. There's a difference in how the bow feels in the hand, and I think that these two companies specifically have two very different feels and i think i think there's two different buyers out there i think there's people that pick up a matthews shoot a matthews and really like it and i think there's people that pick up a hoyt and shoot a hoyt and really like it and i also think there's people that pick up pses and like them and shoot them and and enjoy it and you know, my my friend Remy Warren really likes his Prime bow. So I don't have a lot of experience with Prime, but, you know, I know that G5 makes some, some good products, and um, I'm sure it's a really well-made product as well. But I don't think it's fair to say that they're ripoffs. What I think people need to realize is that the industry follows trends, and technically you have to realize that as a consumer – we are, you know, as a consumer, we fall victim into, into advertising. And what happens is if if one company comes out and is advertising a bow that's in a certain speed range, then in order to, for the other companies to be within that speed range, what we need to realize is that, you know, from an efficiency point of view, compounds, at least at the time being, are really maximized i mean we've pushed the limits as far as we could and we're really just we're kind of just robbing peter to pay paul continually um if there's a bow that's faster it probably has a slightly different uh brace height you know or maybe someone put two strands less in a string so that it would be a little bit faster out of the box i mean there's like like I said, we're always robbing Peter to pay Paul. And if there's a big trend really focused on shooting bows that are under 30 inches, then obviously other companies are going to kind of follow suit and try to go after that particular size. But I think everything has their own feel and everything has their own pros and cons. And I guess when I weigh them all out currently, Um, I just, I personally am favoring my Hoyts and, you know, I've been shooting them for over 10 years and I feel really comfortable with them. And I know that there's followers out there that have shot, you know, could have been shooting Matthews for over 20 years, could have been shooting Hoyts for, I don't know. I mean, there's probably some people out there that have shot Hoyt for 50 years. I don't know. Um, you know, all the way back to when, you know, Earl Hoyt was, was making recurves. It's, it's hard to say, 
but I'm just telling you, based on the bow that I picked, I'm trying to do my best to those followers to say, depending on your price range, here's what I like and dislike about these bows. And I try not to just talk specs. Um, I also try to talk feel. And, you know, I think there there is a difference in feel between this year's RX-3s and also the Helix versus last year's XL or last year's RX-1. Um, there's a d slight difference in the cam system. There's a difference in the connection on the lower cable. So you don't have an aluminum tube, like aluminum, I don't know if it's a dowel or what they would call it, but um, the aluminum tube that separated, that split the cable, um, that had a lot more weight in it and vibration than the current system, which is a lot more simplified. Um, if anything, it would be, you know, probably identified as closer to like the PSE system than it would be to, to the Matthews system in regards to how the cable is split for that lower cam. Um, but overall, you know, the, the feel of the cam is quite a bit different especially than two years ago if you still have an rx1 i think it's still a great bow i shot andy's rx1 and and really liked it but it does have just a little bit more noise and it does have a slightly different feel in it than the rx3 and then obviously with the helix being aluminum there's a different frequency to the vibration after the shot and there's not it's not like there's a lot of vibration there. It's just when the bow fires and ever, and the string pretty much stops, the way it feels in the hand is different. Um, it's certainly heavier. And, you know, like I said, I did probably close to 25 miles over the course of several days. And, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't as pleasant as carrying around my carbon bow and luckily i was down um, between you know mexico south texas all the way up to san antonio instead of being here in the midwest where the temperatures were minus 60 because if i did have to be in conditions that were freezing or below freezing i would certainly say that the carbons are way more pleasant to hold than an aluminum bow every time I shoot an aluminum bow in colder weather. I definitely notice that right away. Um, it, it, you know, it freezes my hand, it gets it cold. Uh, but for people who don't have to deal with that, and for people who don't feel like the money is justified for a carbon bow, then you know, 100%. I agree with you. Um, if depending on what your budget is, what I tell people is no matter how good your bow is it's only as good as certain accessories that you put on it if you can't put a quality arrow rest on it or if you can't put a quality sight on it or in some cases uh, if you can't replace the factory strings uh, and find a or at least update a factory string 
then the bow is only as good as the weakest link. And I tell people, listen, if if you have your total budget, and let's just say it's $1,500, if you're going to spend $1,300 on just the bow and cut yourself short with having a couple hundred bucks for your accessories, then you're really not going to maximize the benefit of having that high-end bow because you're going to end up putting low-end accessories on it. And that's, from an accuracy point of view, a lot of times those things end up revealing themselves. Um, I don't know how many times I've seen people put a plastic sight on their rest or put or uh, on their bow or put a rest on their bow that doesn't have quality micro adjustment and when they go to loosen up and slide it it kind of always returns to the same place or it ends up going back and forth too fast or I've seen ones where when you tighten them down they end up shifting and kind of cocking sideways to where you change your elevation as well as your windage um, when you loosen that and then tighten it back up. So make sure you factor that in. Even though I'm giving these my opinions on bows and kind of showing you the features and showing you the benefits and telling you what I like and I dislike, when you go to buy one, you have to make sure that you can buy the other parts to it that are good. Um, you know, I found this out kind of the hard way when I bought, you know, I went out, I, I like shooting guns. Um, I'm not really, I wouldn't call myself a gun nut or knowledgeable from that aspect. But what I will say is, um, I went out and bought an AR and I bought a red dot reticle for it. And I kind of just looked at some and I saw some that were super cheap and some that were really expensive and in the end I'm just thinking well it's a red dot and as long as you can move it left or right or up or down to sight it in it'll be fine and I ended up kind of chintzing out on the 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 reticle that I bought for this AR and then once I had that thing um, down in Oklahoma and I was bebopping around in the summertime uh, on my side by side and and working down there on the ranch and you know coming across the hog and then all of a sudden pull up you know pull that gun up and shoot and like notice right away that it's way off and then go check it at the range and sure enough it's way off I realize oh okay well yeah just like with bows you know you end up having these things that are that technically yeah it's a red dot yeah you can move it left right up or down but it also if it moves around at its own will too, then it's pretty much pointless of even having the thing. So the same's true with, with archery. I think the same's true with a lot of things in life. You know, you can't buy something that's super high performance, but then surround it with, you know, with, with crappy accessories. You can't buy a formula one car and then, you know, go put on some like, general tires from the Walmart on it it's just not going to perform so I think over these next weeks once I get out the bow reviews I think it'll at least give some of you some things to think about um, you know whether or not 
the advantages or disadvantages are favorable favorable for you um i do know that i really like um i liked the power max for the price that that bow came in at um it's super similar to an alpha max that i shot and and really liked and this helix is a great shooting bow i mean it it shoots really well um f what's hard though is i didn't get the ultra i didn't get the longer version i have the shorter version so um the way the cam pulls and it's also about three pounds heavier than my rx3 so it's i'm not really comparing apples to apples if i'm comparing my rx3 versus my um helix so I can tell you that it does feel like it pulls a little bit harder, but it could be the fact that it's a shorter model and I'm in a, a different position um, on the cam. So, but it feels really good to shoot. It is super accurate. Um, it's shooting really, really flat. I was shooting the Axis 300 with 50 grains of brass and a 100 grain head with the four fletch um, three inch knock on max stealth vein at about two degree offset um, and I also set it up specifically to shoot um, the universal knock turnal knock um, not the standard one um, it just that's just what I set it up with when it came to the center serving that I chose to go with the uninock fit the best um, i shot a strobing one and i shot a green one what i like about the five millimeter arrow is that you don't need to actually put a bushing in your arrow if you're shooting that universal nocturnal knock you can go directly in the shaft so you don't have to use one of the plastic bushings um, and the fits really nice and i think uh, i think the knock shoots super accurate too so um, that's what I went with. It worked really, really well. Um, let's see. I don't know. That's about it for now. I'm going to go through for the next podcast, round up some different questions, and do some Q&As. Like I said, I'll have you guys a School of Knock weekly assignment coming up here later today. And we'll pick up where we left off. So I apologize for being out of contact for a week, but I was out trying to uh, focus on getting some getting some shots off, helping some buddies, and on top of that, uh, I got stranded in Houston for an extra day too. So I ended up getting back late. But get out there, practice. It's uh. I know there's a little warm-up right now. I'm going to shoot outside today. It's supposed to be close to 50, so I'm going to shoot outside at 70 meters just because I might not get to for another few months. But appreciate the heck out of everybody out there, and knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com <laughs>